0: Um, We're taking some time in this series and looking at some familiar stories in scripture, um, but stories where people had unlikely encounters with Jesus and received from him uh, something that they had been searching for elsewhere. And so we started out looking at Peter. Uh, Last week we looked at the adulterous woman, and today we're going to look at this familiar story uh, that's come to be known as the prodigal son. And uh, we're going to talk about that word prodigal toward the end of our time together, but I wanted to kind of start today by getting us on the same page and, and asking you to think of a time in your life where you felt lost, like physically in this world, whether you were driving somewhere, uh, whether you were uh, in a location and you thought you were familiar with your surroundings, but um, you ended up almost in a panic, feeling as if you have no clue where you're going to go and what's going to happen to you. Um, when I was in my early 20s, I was at some friend's house at the lake, and we spent all day out on the lake and and we were tubing and water skiing and having a great time, and they had a couple of Wave runners, and because there were a lot of people at this person's house, people were always on the wave runners. And so uh, I would hear people talk about how much fun that they were having on the wave runners and kind of was waiting for my turn to ride the wave runner, but um, people kept riding it. And so I just waited patiently. And as we came close to the end of the evening, somebody jumped off and I said, I'm going to jump on there real quick. And they said, Hey, dude, you're low on gas. Just know you need to. I said, I'm just going to go right up here and I'm going to come right back. And it was late in the evening already. um, And Uh, So I wanted to see how fast this thing would go and uh, I think I hit 66 on this wave runner and I was just having fun I was flying down through here and I looked down and I was low on gas and I said I better turn around and go back Now we had been on this lake all day And so I thought that I was very familiar with where we were and our surroundings and where I went and where I needed to return And uh, so uh, in my mind, I was like I need to go up here and take this left And then it's going to be like the third cove on the right and that's where I'm going to be And so I did that and when I got there, like it, I was like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. This isn't good. And so I kind of backtracked, and I thought I went back the way that I just came, and somehow I got turned around again. And I found myself in a place where I had no clue where I was, and I knew, just logically speaking, I couldn't be far because I'd only been on the water for several minutes. Though so I was going 66 miles an hour, I was second guessing myself, and it was starting to get dark. And I kid you not, I ran out of gas trying to find my way back, and I thought to myself, this this is not good. Um, I'm out of gas on a wave runner, trying to find my way back to a place where I thought was very familiar to me, um, and I kind of started going into panic mode and thinking, like, do I need, just need to get off and start swimming this thing? Do I need to get to the side and try to, like, walk and find somebody to let me call this person? Uh, and someone was nice enough to come along and, and pull me over to this boat ramp, And uh, when they pulled me to the boat ramp, I remembered one time before that we had been to this boat ramp with this couple uh, who owned the house, but I was completely lost. And in my mind, I began to panic as it was getting darker and darker, uh, that there's no way they would be able to find me if they were even looking for me. If they even knew that I was missing, there would be no way that they'd be able to find me because it was getting darker and darker. And so I'm trying to play in my mind, like, uh, they're asking me, do you know their address? And I can give you a ride there. And I'm like, I have no clue, like, what their physical address is. And they didn't have a cell phone with them. And so um, they were getting ready to take me to find a phone so I could call these people. But I didn't have my phone, so I didn't know their number. And I was like, I, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to work out. Um, and I just was, I can just remember being in this mode of like, you know, I'm that lost kid in the mall, and, and I can't find my mom and dad, and I'm just panicking and crying, and everyone's looking at me like, um, like, you know, can I help you? Is there anything I can do? And I'm like, I wish you would help me, but I don't know what to tell you. I don't know if you've ever been in, in moments like those. Um, eventually, they actually came to the boat ramp. I don't know, I guess it was a miracle of God, and, and I was there uh, in a pool of tears, But I think in life, more than just directionally and more than just physical, geographically, it's easy for us to make some wrong turns, even if we're in areas of life that feel familiar and feel comfortable, and we find ourselves in places that we don't want to be, and we don't find what we thought we would find in those locations, and we almost go into panic mode and one bad decision leads to another bad decision and the result of that bad decision forces another bad decision. And before we know it, we're over our head in bad decisions that have left us far from home, far from where we thought we needed to be and far from, honestly, where we even set out to be, where we intended to go. But we're lost, we have no clue how to get back home and, and we feel like, the decisions that have gotten us to where we are in life have cost us the opportunity to enjoy life at home. And so maybe you can even relate for that in in a personal way. And maybe like me, you've made some bad decisions in life. And maybe like me, you intended to go in a direction and you drifted and that drift caused you uh, to go further and further from where you wanted to be Before you even knew it, before you realized it, before you even comprehended how you got into the position you were in, you found yourself hopeless and helpless and just wondering how in the world am I going to make it back home and is there any hope for me and how's this going to turn out for my life? So if you've been there this morning, if you're there now, hopefully today will be helpful because today we're looking at a story of a man who did that, a young man who he made a wrong turn. And he got himself into a place in life where he didn't find a lot of hope. And he didn't find a lot of substance. And where he thought he was going led him to a place that he didn't feel like he could get back home. So if you have a Bible, I want you to go with me to Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter 15, these are the words of Jesus. He's telling um, this parable. It's a, it's a story with Uh, The intention of teaching a lesson Uh, So more than likely this wasn't an actual um, Occurrence in history This was Jesus telling a parable And it's bunched, it's categorized It's told as the third of three of these parables There's the parable of the lost sheep There's the parable of the lost coin And then there's the parable of the lost son Which has also come to be known as the prodigal son Um, And the theme of all these stories Is the fact that, that Jesus looks for lost people And that's good news for me. That's great news for you. That if we find ourselves in places where we feel like there's no hope, then we can always be confident that that Jesus is on our side, that he loves loves lost people. And so let me jump into this story. Luke chapter 15, we're going to start reading in verse number 11. It says, Jesus continued. He said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, um, I would assume that most fathers wouldn't do this, but this father did this, and so he gives him his share of his inheritance. In verse 13, it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living, So he goes to his father, he says, can I have my share of the inheritance? I want what's mine, I want what's best for me. I think that what you have to offer me can make my life better. And so he takes what's his and he goes to a distant country. He leaves home. He makes a wrong turn, if you will, as he'll soon find out. And he goes to this distant country and he squanders all of his wealth in wild living. The word prodigal, the story has come to be known as the prodigal son, um, is a word that talks about being recklessly extravagant. And so he is recklessly extravagant in the way he spends his money and the lifestyle that he leads, that, that he just wants the best and has the best and won't settle for anything but that. And he's just living it up, enjoying life, and thinking that he's unstoppable and invincible. But verse 14 says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in need. Isn't it funny how sometimes wrong decisions just lead to worse circumstances? And so he made a wrong decision. He spent all of his money. And then a famine hits the land. And he finds himself having made a bad decision that led him with no money. But now there's a famine. And there's not really much to be found anywhere in this land Verse 13, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. So this young man leaves home with all of his inheritance, everything that he believes is rightfully his, and he goes and squanders it on reckless living. And he finds himself far from home in a distant country feeding pigs for living and listen how bad it gets it says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but here's how bad it was no one gave him anything like he's in a place in life where pigs are eating better than him he's far from home he had it all and he lived a recklessly extravagant life he was out there living it up and he was the life of the party and I'm sure all the friends that surrounded him are nowhere to be found now because his money's gone he's tapped out And he's working in a job feeding pigs that are better off than him. And he's like, I wish I could just have some of the pig scraps. And the owners of the pigs wouldn't even give him any. You know you're you're in a bad situation when a pig is eating better than you. When a pig's in a better position in life than you are, you know you're in a bad position. And so he's at his wit's end. He's hit rock bottom. Verse number 17, it says, when he came to his senses, I love that phrase, when he came to his senses, when he realized, I've made a wrong turn, I've, I've lost my way, I've gotten off track, I've made decisions that didn't turn out for my best and weren't in my best interest, though I thought they were. And he came to his senses and he realized, how could I have gotten myself into this position? Maybe you've experienced that feeling. Maybe you've been in seasons of life where you just wondered how you allowed this to happen. So it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Can you, can you imagine The conversation that's playing in his mind as he's heading back home. Like he's the one that went to his dad and demanded his share of the inheritance. He's the one that took his share of the inheritance and everything that he possessed and he left home. He said, thanks dad, but I'm gonna go out and have a better life than you can offer me. He goes to a different country and he blows it all. He's lost everything. He's going home with nothing that he left with. Half of his dad's Half of his share of the inheritance is gone, wasted, inexcusable. Nothing he could say could justify the way he spent the money and the way he lived his life and the decisions that he made. And so he's heading down a long road back home with the weight of that on his shoulders. And the realization that the place he was currently in in life was worse than his father's hired men, than his father's servants. And remember, he wasn't a servant for his dad. He was a son. He had part of the inheritance. And now he's longing just to go back home and say, dad, I've screwed up. And listen, I know, I know how mad you are and I know how terrible this looks, but would you please, could, if, if you have any sympathy in your heart, can I just, would you hire me back? Like I'll be one of the hired servants. It's so much better than where I am right now. Have you ever had that conversation? You ever had to swallow your pride and hold a little humility close to your heart and walk in a direction that you knew was going to be difficult? Have a conversation that you didn't know how it was going to go? and try to try to share your heart and admit your guilt in hopes that it would go well. And let's just all be honest, if this happened today, if this were your family, if this were my family, chances are it doesn't go smoothly, that it's not all cozy and comfy, and it's like, oh, we've missed you, and it's okay, it was just money, you know, it's not a big deal, come on back in, we still got your room here. You know, There are families that are, that are not on speaking terms over much less than this, okay, we can just agree to that. Somebody forgot to send a card for your birthday and and now you don't talk anymore, okay? You got a present that that you weren't supposed to get and, and you did something to make someone else look bad and you're not talking now and you forgot something that you were supposed to do. You didn't take half of your possessions and squander them and blow them and get rid of them. I remember my senior year of college, my parents were remodeling their home And at the time, I had a full-size truck, and my dad had bought a 1990 Corvette, and my dad loved his Corvette. I had only driven his Corvette a few times with him in the car, but he loved his Corvette. He was protective of his Corvette. It seems like he washed his car more than he washed himself. He loved it, loved it. It was a beautiful car. But my dad was remodeling, and he needed a truck, and so he came to me, and he said, son, I... I want to make a deal with you. And I said, What's that, Dad? And he said, he said, You want to drive my Corvette for the week? I was like, Yeah, right. You know, let me drive your Corvette. What are you talking about? He said, Well, I gotta have a truck. I gotta have a truck. Your grandfather's busy this week. I need a truck. You think we could switch for the week? And I was like, Yeah, I'll do that. We'll make it two weeks if you want. That's cool. And so we did. We we swapped. And for the week at college, I had a Corvette. And uh It was fun to drive. It's more fun to drive than my truck. And as I was leaving to go back to college after dad and I made the exchange, my dad had a final piece of advice for me. He said, son, this car is not a toy. Please take care of my car. I was like, okay, dad. He's like, son, it's not a toy. I want you to take care of my car. He was serious. And I kind of felt the weight of that. And I said, of course, Dad. He said, don't be playing in my car. I said, I'm not going to play in your car. It's fine, it's fine. So I went back to college and I'm driving uh, on some some back country roads with some curves and um, this is fun to drive. This handles well. This accelerates much better than the Dodge Ram. And uh, it went faster. And uh, I, as a 22-year-old Enjoyed driving a corvette for a week And I had roommates I had friends that lived on campus Who saw me driving a corvette who wanted to come see the corvette and who asked for rides in the corvette and I was gracious to these friends Because I knew that they needed that experience and so back behind where we lived there were uh, this Sets of roads that kind of went back and forth and up and down hills. And it was just perfect for demonstrating the excellence of a 1990 Corvette. And uh, so I would, I, would, I would take them and I would, I would show them a ride. And seriously, I had friends that were like, a few of them cussed, but with sweaty hands were like, dude, that was awesome. Let me out. Like that's how I drove his car. And of course, I would have never told him that. But the last friend that rode with me, his name was John. He said, man, I've, I've heard you've been giving rides. I want to get a ride, I want to get a ride. And I was like, come on, I'll give you a ride. And the week was almost over, and so I said, i got to make this one good. You know, i I got to gotta make him sweat this. And uh, so we went down these roads, and uh, unfortunately, at the bottom of one of the turns, uh, there was some gravel that hadn't been there all week. And when I hit that gravel, the car literally just started spinning on me. And uh, we, we slid up into a tree line, and luckily, we didn't hit any big trees, but uh, all down this tree line were uh, just whole bushes and undergrowth that we slid up under, and the car goes dead. It stalls and goes dead. And we both look at each other, and he goes, oh, dude, what did you just do? And I was like, dude, I don't know. This is not good. And so he's like, what do we do? And I was like, I just want to see if it'll crank. I hope I haven't broken this thing. And so I cranked it, and it... And it cranked, and I was thankful for that. And so I pulled up out of the little ditch we were in, and I got out just to see what the damage was. And all down the side of his car was scratched. And uh, I just knew that my dad was going to kill me. Like, my dad has been the best dad ever, and he loved me unconditionally. But this was his Corvette, and I just knew it was going to be different. Um, And so luckily, I'm a smart guy, and I went and got it buffed out before I even called him. And uh, I had a friend that made it look great for me at his body shop uh, but there, still, there was still there was a crack over the back fender and I knew that it was going to be a big deal and so um, I called him before I arrived to tell him the news because I figure if I'm telling him on the phone he can't hit me so I'm going to tell him on the phone and then I'll show up and maybe he's he's cooled down by then and so he says ultimately son are you okay and I said yeah I'm, I'm fine Dad. I'm not hurt he said, okay, I'll see when you get here. And he hangs up. I was like, oh, it's not good. It's not good. He won't even talk to me. And long story short, my dad, being the most gracious person that he is, swapped cars back with me in an instant and said, it's okay, son. It's just a car. Um, and I think that he probably punched holes in the walls after I left. He's, he's told me in the last couple of years that that hurt him more than a lot of things I've ever done in life. But I can't imagine if I had taken half of my inheritance, like half of the possessions that belonged to my brother and I, and I had just blown them with no excuses, with just reckless living, just trying to live it up extravagantly, and then going back to my dad, not to say, hey, you got a crack in your Corvette, but to say, it's all gone. There's nothing left. And um, I don't know, will you hire me on in the family business? Would you, I just need a roof over my head. I'm, I'm, I'm stealing food from pigs. Is there anything you can do for me? And just playing over and over in his mind is this conversation of what's going to happen. Verse number 20, so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son and threw his arms around his son and kissed him. You can imagine, this isn't going as he expected. He doesn't know what to think. And so listen, he's got his little speech that he wants to give his dad. No, hold on, dad. I, I got something to tell you. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And listen, the the father just brushes it off. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Can you imagine the thought of how terrible this situation was going to be when this son faced his father again, and how shocked he would have been at how his dad treated him. Here's the truth for all of us. You may have a favorite team. You may like the Bulldogs, you might like the Falcons, you might like the Braves, whatever your team is, and you might, might act crazy when your team's playing, you might cheer for your team, and you might do some crazy things to celebrate your team in moments when they win big games, but but the team that the father celebrates is the team of lost people. And that's his heart, man. He's got a son that's at home with him. And he's got servants that are at home with him, but his son is lost. He doesn't know where their son is. His son has left. His son has made a wrong turn. He's he's lost his way and he's worried. He doesn't even know. In his heart, he thinks his son could probably even be dead. But he's hopeful. And when his son returns, His son doesn't find him like in the family business. He's looking, he's searching, he's waiting for his son to come back home. And that's the God that we serve, is a God who loves the lost, has a heart of compassion for the lost. In fact, the son that didn't leave home, the more responsible son, the son that he would have been most proud of, comes to him and says, why aren't we having a party like I've never throwing away half of your possessions. He's been out with prostitutes. He's been out wasting your money and you're celebrating him. And he says, son, 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 you've got everything that I own. It's here. You're at home. But he was lost. He was dead. He's found. He's alive again. We've got to celebrate. Don't you understand that it's not about who's in the family secure and safe? It's about those that are lost outside of the family that are out there hopeless and helpless. They're in the middle of the lake. They've got no gas. It's getting dark. They don't know what they're going to do. We've got to be the ones searching. We've got to be the ones looking for them to come back home. The road back home, the road to your father, it's paved with grace and it's paved with humility. There's nothing on that road that's paved with humiliation but it's humility and all you've got to do to find your way back to your father to find your way back home is to humble yourself and receive God's grace receive God's grace it's that simple and I know that there may be some of you here who may on the inside on the deepest parts of your heart feel like you've made some wrong turns and if we're being honest we've all made wrong turns And we've all drifted from home and we've all fell into the trap of thinking that outside of home is a better life, something we've never experienced, that there's something out there that's enticing, that would be fun, that would bring joy to our lives, that's exciting. But what we'll learn, like this prodigal son, is that home is where our heart should be. And we have a place at home. We don't have a father that's waiting to put us in our place who won't even accept a job application to become a servant. He's waiting to celebrate us. See, this story, it gets stolen by the son. Everybody calls it the prodigal son. There's a story that you heard, the story of the prodigal son. You know, this kid, he gets this inheritance and you know, he goes out and squanders it all and he comes begging, begging home. This story's about the The prodigal father who recklessly lavishes grace upon his son, who extravagantly gives to his son what he doesn't deserve, who's waiting and searching for that lost son. Here's what I love about these stories. They start in chapter 15 of Luke with this verse. Verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners... We're all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The most religious people, their accusation, the thing they held against Jesus was that he loved sinners, that he spent time with people who weren't righteous in their lives. And so Jesus gives these three stories. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, to let you and to let me know that he's a fan of the lost. And his heart is to celebrate any time someone who is lost becomes found. And in this series called In Search Of, you may be searching for something in life. And I'm just here to tell you, I'm just here to, to hopefully convince you that you find what you're looking for when you're found by the Father. you can search all you want in this life, and you can have all the money you want, and all the prestige you want, and all the possessions. You can have more followers than anybody on Twitter in the entire world, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you can be lost. You won't find what you're looking for, because what you're looking for is Jesus. And only Jesus can fill a void in the deepest places of your heart that long for fulfillment, And once you're found by the Father, you'll find what you're looking for. Let's pray together. You're so good to us, God. I love hearing this story and being reminded that you lavish your children with grace, that you celebrate when lost become found, when the dead become alive, that you're not waiting at the end of the road for a son that screwed up to come back and to say, I told you so. Don't ever step foot in my house again. You have no place here. You had your chance. You never say those words and you never think those words because you're a God who has compassion on the lost. And Father, I pray for all of us today who may be searching, who may have drifted, who may have made some wrong turns and some bad decisions, who may have lost our way and have found ourselves in positions that keep us from experiencing the joys of being in our Father's house. And my prayer today, Lord, is that you would welcome us with open arms and we would enjoy a celebration of grace as we leave this place today. I give you thanks for all that you do in our lives.